0: You can also find us on the web at VineyardBrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. How's everybody doing today? I just want to just just give us a, a plug for um, for our night of worship, evening of worship. It's at five o'clock. Um, it, it's it's just going to be a time for us just to get together and and minister to each other. We we haven't done one of these in a while, and and so if if you can make it out at five o'clock. I promise we'll get you out plenty of time for whatever comes on at 7 o'clock on TV. And uh, so so I think it would be a great way to kind of kick off the weekend, the the end of the weekend, into your work week. So I've got a question I want to ask you this morning. How do you respond to the interruptions that you have in your life? Well, I think we all have something specific that comes to mind in terms of specific interruptions that really just uh, kind of great, you know. Um, how about a, a knock on the door or somebody ringing your doorbell? There was a time when I was, I remember as a kid, mom was was working as a visiting nurse. I was in high school, and during the summer, people would, would come by and knock on the door, and I would hide. <laughs> I didn't want anybody to see me. I didn't want to have to answer the door. So, you know, I, that, that's a very real one for me. How about a phone call or a reminder of a text message or maybe an appointment that you have on your cell phone? It pops up and, oh, not right now. Maybe a coworker needs something from you or somebody in your family wants something. Maybe your neighbor wants to come over and borrow some of the tools from your garage. Maybe your kids want something. Mama, give me something to eat. Mama, give me something to drink. Or somebody gets in the way of just what you want to do. They get in the way. Well, interruptions come in all shapes and sizes, don't they? There are times in life when we have more and when we have less. And those of you who have small children, you know that there are a lot more interruptions when they're little. Can I get a witness? (laughs) (laughs) And when they get a little older, the interruptions change because, you know, they start having their own schedules. You know, you have to go to band practice or soccer practice, or whatever practice, and now you've got to manage their schedule and yours too. You know, and some of us, I think, you know, we look forward to the day whenever those interruptions get less, and, and at some point we might even miss them. Maybe not, but... <laughs> well, if you Google the word interruptions, and I, I, I did this this week, you'll find a long list of articles and tips how to to minimize interruptions because you can't stop them. You can't stop interruptions. The best you can hope to do is to minimize them. You can minimize their distractions and learn how to deal with them. And according to the experts, if we want to be productive... We've got to take control of our schedules. Now, if you've ever taken a time management course, the first thing they tell you is to minimize those distractions. If you have an office and you get distracted by people walking by the door while you're working, maybe you should turn your desk or rearrange so that your computer is looking away from that doorway so you don't get distracted every time somebody walks by. So we try to minimize those interruptions and those those distractions. And depending on the person, that can be a difficult task. Remember in the movie Squirrel? Well, I'm continuing our series in the Gospel of Mark today, and I'm calling this Divine interruption. I think Jesus has a lot to show us in regard to how we respond to interruptions that occur in our lives. Now over the last couple of weeks, we followed Jesus on the boat ride across the Sea of Galilee where about midway through the the lake, it's, it's the Sea of Galilee but it's also considered a lake, About halfway across, somewhere in the middle, they get hit with a storm. And the disciples are afraid. They they think they're going to die. It's a severe storm. And Jesus calms the storm with just a word, or two words, be still. And then once they arrived on the other side, they met a man who was under the control of evil spirits. And he was delivered by the power and the authority of Jesus. Saying the word. Set him free. Well, it just so happened that whenever the man was delivered from these evil spirits, about 2,000 pigs were lost. Because they ran down the hill and they, they, they jumped into the lake and they all died. Well, in the commotion of all of this This disturbance, the people finally come to Jesus and say, "Would you please leave?" They were scared. They they didn't. They didn't know what had just happened, and they know that it happened because Jesus showed up. And so, can, can 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 you just go back where you came from? So this morning we're looking at what happened whenever Jesus went back, back home, back to the other side where they were from. Our text picks up in verse 21 of of Mark chapter 5. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then the leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. and He saw Jesus and he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her and heal her so she can live. So Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. Well, a woman in the the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she hadn't gotten... Any better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. And she'd heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I can be healed. Well, immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Well, Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone out from Him, and so He turned around to the crowd and asked, Who touched me? And His disciples said to Him, Look at the crowd pressing in around you. How can you ask, Who touched me? But He kept on looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I think by now, we've been in Mark now for for a, a, a few months, actually. This is a familiar scene. We know that Jesus couldn't move around openly because He had started performing miracles and people were following Him everywhere. And they had just gone across the lake and they came back and it was almost like He hadn't left. I mean, people were looking for Him and he, he's, he's actually hadn't even gotten to the shore and people were waiting on Him to get out of the boat. Well, He gets on shore and Mark identifies a man by the name of Jairus. He's a leader in the synagogue and and is is highly esteemed in their area. He's considered one of the good guys, the way that he's depicted. And he comes to Jesus, and he, he falls on his knees and begs Jesus, please, come and heal my daughter. So Jesus agrees to go with him. And they're on their way, and if you can imagine, with all these people just kind of clamoring around, and you know, trying to trying to horn in on, you know, maybe what's Jesus saying to this man, or you know, what what's going on, trying to see if Jesus might do something along the way. Well, in the midst of this crowd, unbeknownst to anyone else, is this lady that Mark describes as having. A real serious physical problem. I don't know about you, but, but the, the thought of, of bleeding for, for 12 years, constant bleeding, can't stop it. I, I, I can't imagine what it was like for her. And when you read the text and you go into the original language, there, it, it's almost implied that this might be a female issue a gynecological kind of, of issue. So for those of you ladies, you, you understand this This was a terrible thing for her. You're, you're, you're smiling at me. <laughs> but but the thing that we need to understand is that in, in, the, in the Jewish tradition and in, in their culture, if a person had a prolonged condition like this. You know, because women there they were considered ceremonial ceremonially unclean during their monthly period. And so for this woman to be constantly bleeding, she was considered to be unclean all the time. And we were familiar with how the lepers had to pronounce Their condition to people. They had to let people know before they ever got close to them I'm unclean. Stay away. I'm unclean. And this woman might possibly have had to identify herself because if someone touched her, they would become unclean. So you can imagine the shame that this woman felt that she couldn't go out in public because of her condition. Well, considering the fact that she's also losing blood, she had become weak and frail. I don't know about you. I I've, It's been a long time since I've, I've donated blood. What's the first thing they do? They give you some cookies? They give you some juice? Because you need to get your sugar up. Because I don't know if you've ever been to those, to those things, but I've been in a, in a few cases where somebody got up from the thing and they're walking out and they go... Right on their face. So, you know, she was weak. She was frail. And Mark said she'd spent everything that she had and hadn't gotten any better. So she was sick. She was broke. And she was helpless. I mean, I can't do anything about this. I'm at the mercy of my community. Well, somewhere along the way, this woman heard about Jesus. And Mark says that she reasoned to herself, if I can just touch this man, the, the, the hem of this man's robe, I can be healed. Because in her mind, she was unclean. If she asked him to touch her, he would become unclean. That's the way the priests operated. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't help the... The Good Samaritan, you know, the story where the guy got got hurt. One of the guys that walked by was one of the priests. He was afraid that if he helped the man who was in trouble, that he would somehow become unclean and could not render aid. So she's thinking, well, Jesus is a teacher, he's a priest, and he wouldn't want to touch me. He wouldn't want to heal me. So maybe if I just touched his cloak, I could be healed. So here she is in this crowd, unaware of what's going on with the crowd because they're on their way to to save Jairus' daughter. And she saw her opportunity in the crowd to reach out and touch Jesus because all these people are touching and clamoring around him. He wouldn't notice if I touched just the hem of his robe. Well, we know what happened next. She touched Jesus' robe and she was healed. Instantly, Mark says, instantly, she knew it right away. Something changed in her body, and she knew that she had become well. Well, if you can imagine all this clamoring going on, and here she is on her knees, and she realizes, I've been healed. Can you imagine the joy that she felt in that moment? But then all of a sudden she hears, who touched me? Oh, no. And so she tries to hide her joy a little bit. And the disciples, you know, they're just, they're just clamoring around too. And they're like, how do you know who touched you? Goodness, there, there's all these people clamoring around you. But Jesus knew something was different. And He told them, I felt the power come out of my body. Somebody has been healed. Somebody has reached out in faith to receive healing from me. Well, for her, the jig was up. And she just knew that that she was about to get in trouble with, with the teacher because she touched him and somehow he knows that she's unclean. But wasn't it awesome? Did you see the words that he told the lady? Your faith has healed you. Your suffering is over. This is for real. And you are no longer unclean. We sang the song earlier, If I'm healed by just one touch of your garment, Lord, how much more is your love for me than what I'm tasting, Lord? I want to ask you this morning do you believe that Jesus loves you enough to stop everything? Because they stopped everything. The whole crowd stopped. Jesus stopped what he was doing to address this woman in her need. Do you believe that Jesus loves you enough to stop everything to meet your needs? To heal your pain. Because He loves us that much. He loves us that much. He loves us that much. He loves us. He cares for us. He cares for the feelings, the writer of Hebrews says, the very feelings of our infirmities, our sicknesses, our diseases. Those things that get us down. He's touched by those feelings. He's touched by what we're going through. I think most of us are looking for some kind of divine intervention. Maybe we're looking for a sign. Maybe God will give me a sign that He loves me. Maybe a vision, you know, some kind of broad vision of what God might want to do through my life. Or a word from someone, or maybe some special revelation out of Scripture. And sometimes what we're looking for comes in the form of a divine interruption chance meetings at public places, seeing somebody at the grocery store, waiting in line at the drive-thru. Could God be right in the middle of our interruptions that occur each and every day? What if God is in the midst of our interruptions? What if God is there? What if God wants to meet us in those interruptions? We have to look for Him there. Now, before I go too far, there's still a little girl who's who's dying. Jairus' daughter is is still waiting for someone to come and, 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 and make her better. And the story doesn't end with this woman's healing. In verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking to her, to the, the lady who had been healed, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, "Your daughter is dead. There's no no trouble, no use in troubling the teacher now." But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, "Don't be afraid. Just have faith." Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. And he went inside and said, Why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. Well, the crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying, holding her hand He said to her, Talitha, Ka'um, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Can you imagine what that must have been like? And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And when he told them to give her something to eat, One thing I want you to see and I think it's it's pretty clear throughout this story is the kindness and the gentleness of Jesus toward each and every player in the story. He took time for Jairus who was distraught over the fact that his daughter was dying. He didn't blow him off. You know, I'm the son of God and no, he, he... He went with this man with the intent of healing his daughter whenever he arrived. And then there's the woman in the crowd. I mean, she didn't know what was going on, but she had a need. And she saw the opportunity to reach out and touch Jesus. And she was healed. And Jesus took time for her to let her know that she was not only healed, but clean. And of course, there's Jairus' family. There's not a lot that's said, there's not anything that's said about the daughter's mother. I mean, she was the one who was caring for the little girl whenever she passed. And then this little girl who, you know, was, she was sick. Jesus took time for each and every one in, throughout the story. He was faithfully present in the midst of those circumstances. He was there and He was engaged. Last week I shared with us Jesus' words from the Gospel of John. Chapter 5 it says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing of Himself. He does only what He sees the Father doing. And whatever the Father does, the Son also does. I think Jesus wasn't in a hurry because He kept His eyes on what the Father was doing and He was following His lead. This is what the Father was doing that day. And I think a lot of times we get ourselves in such a hurry and we think that we have to, you know, minimize our distractions, minimize the interruptions. And we're, we're doing so much so fast that we miss what the Lord is trying to tell us, what He's trying to show us, what He's putting right in front of us, wanting us to do. How is the Father leading us? We need to slow down so we can see that He is leading us and He's drawing us. He's taking us where He wants us to go. Last week I asked the question, Will you say yes to the Holy Spirit? Will you say yes? Lord, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. Jesus wants to write His story on our hearts. And that happens through saying yes to Him. He wants to use us. You know, the, the Holy Spirit, you know, he, He's been given to us and He's living in us, and He wants to get out. He wants to move through us to fulfill God's will in our day and in our time. But saying yes is just the first part of the journey. I want to ask you today, the question I asked you in the beginning, what if God is in the midst of your Interruptions. What if God's in these challenges that you're facing? A big part of saying yes involves looking for where Jesus is in the midst of those circumstances. And what happens when you find Him there? I think sometimes our biggest opportunities come to us in the form of everyday interruptions. And our biggest challenge is learning how to find God in the midst of them and responding to his leading. So I want to ask how do you look at the interruptions that occur in your life? Because how we respond makes all the difference. Can we stand together this morning?